Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything tax, legal, and business for real estate investors. As you guys know, I'm a longtime attorney and real estate investor myself, helping real estate investors all over the country. And I have the pleasure of uh, being today here with Pat Hyben, who I've met through a uh, group that we uh, that he actually founded called GoBundance. Uh, they recently have released a book called Tribe of Millionaires. And I got to tell you guys, we're going to be delving into some of the most powerful ideas that I've seen um, help shape my life, help shape um, hundreds, if not thousands of other lives of other uh, real estate investors and other people looking to seek more freedom in their life um, through that GoBundance community. Pat has a wealth of knowledge um, on these areas and has the years of experience to prove it. So um, Pat, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And can you give us uh, you know, a brief uh, synopsis of you know, what your experience has been with real estate and what has really led to your levels of success and in inspiring other people? Absolutely, Scott. First of all, thanks for having me on Real Estate Nerds. This is uh, this is an honor. I know you put out some uh, really good content, so I'm glad to be part of it. Um, but, uh, you know, luckily I've been in real estate my whole life. I didn't plan it that way. I um, I didn't really have a plan. I, you know, originally I got a degree in sociology. I was going to be a probation officer. Uh, the probation department wasn't hiring, and uh, – so I got a job with the least barrier to entry, and that is uh, selling real estate. And uh, my first year in real estate, I, I made $13,000 in commissions, um, sold 10 houses, and uh, then eventually grew year by year, eventually becoming the top agent at Remax and Keller Williams and and uh, selling over 500 homes a year. And um, luckily for me, uh, with that, I did what so many real estate agents or so many salespeople or or people surrounded by real estate do not do, and that's you know, like buy your own product. So I began to buy houses, and then I used the old monopoly philosophy where, you know, you buy a little green house, and then you get four green houses, you trade them in for a red hotel. Did the same thing, sold a couple of houses, bought a couple of commercial projects, currently have... <clears throat> Had I was in seven apartment um, complexes. Now I'm down to four, soon to be three because we're in a cell mode. Uh, have a shopping center. Have um, you know still have a bunch of single family homes, uh, of which I'm selling. I'm I'm culling the herd of that. A couple, just a couple dogs, and uh, and then a, a lot of small companies. A lot of all private companies got involved in that as well. So that's kind of, it's kind of my story. That's awesome, Pat. Um, can you, let's walk down a little bit down memory lane here um, because there's a lot of people that will, um, you know, have a lot of success like you had as a real estate agent, um, but never make that switch to go out there and start buying properties on their own. So um, what wasn't working for you in your life 
uh, that made you take the action to make the change to actually start buying property? Well, the first thing that wasn't happening was having my faith in the stock market. So what, so my story is that like, uh, in the late nineties, so I was earning commissions and someone asked me this the other day, they were like, you know, what makes it different? Like, how are you able to invest, you know, where a lot of people can never invest. And I, and I think a lot of it had to do with the job that I had. Um, the job that I had had a lot of excess money at the end of at the end of my expenses right so i could make enough that if i spent 80 grand i could make a buck 20 and have 40 left or whatever so first of all that allowed me to get started in putting 20 percent down or whatever to buy houses but uh in the late 90s i had a goal that i was going to be a millionaire and um in 2000 and about it was about 1999 i think 2000 i became a millionaire i had uh, a software system called microsoft money and <clears throat> you would download it every day you'd hit a button and it would basically tell you your net worth um and it came out to a million and 13 dollars and uh i was so excited i ran downstairs i told my wife we you know we had young kids at the time so we had a little party of our own with some Miller Lite and some cheesesteak subs and, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't, go, didn't go out or anything, just kind of celebrated silently. And um, my goal the next year was to double that because this, the stock market was going so great. I mean, it was like a no-brainer market. Any idiot, you could, you could literally pick a stock because it sounded good and uh, it would win. It would double. And so I leveraged myself with a lot of margin and, and stuff. And uh, my goal was to take that million and make it 2 million in a year. And unfortunately, 9-11 happened. The stock market uh, plummeted. My, I got it up to 1.4, but, but then it went all the way down within 12 months. It went down to 300 grand. Um, so I lost like eight, $900,000 in a period of, of less than a year probably. And uh, it was at that time that I said, you know what, I'm only doing real estate now. I, um, I had two, maybe three properties. I bought, I bought two houses, one after the other in like 91 and 92. And then I stopped for like eight years and just started pushing all my money in the stock market. So anyways, at that point, I was like, you know what, cash out my account. You know, and of course the broker is saying, hey, you know, you never want to do this. You know, it's temporary. It's going to come back. You know, this is the, this is the worst thing you could do is, is cash out now with all these stocks so low. And I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to take the, take the tax loss on all this. So uh, I did. And I went and took that money and I bought <clears throat> two or three houses at University of Maryland College Park to rent out the students. All, I bought seven within like two years. Um, and then, uh, and that's kind of from there. I just kept, I just kept buying whether I bought a house or whether I bought into an apartment building or whether I invested in someone else in, in, in a venture that they were doing. I've, I've, I've always been moving the furniture around since then, almost 20 years now, even to this day, um, I move furniture. Like I, I, in a room, I just, there's two houses that I have. Both of the leases are, are up in the next 
60 days, I'm going to sell them, right? I'm just, you know, I just can't sit still with my investments. I want to sell them and I'll buy something else. And so, um, so anyway, so that's kind of been my game for the last 20 years. And, you know, a while back, my horizontal income, which we talk about at GoBundance, which is, you know, the rent or anything that pays you sideways versus you trading time for money, which is vertical income. Vertical income is trading time for money. Horizontal is that you make it while it's, you know, your money is making money for you, let's just say. Um, it was probably 10 years ago. I had enough horizontal income to to pay my bills. <clears throat> Maybe what we call go abundance, a hundred percenter. And, uh, and from that point forward, I kind of stopped working, trading time for money and selling real estate. And I just uh, became a full-time investor. Can you talk to a little bit about that, uh, Pat, about uh, what's the concept of horizontal income. I think a lot of people are familiar of They may call it passive income. Um, yeah. And for the 100 percenter, though, um, can you elaborate a little bit about um, what the 100 percenter is and why is that a, and why is it important? Well, um, sure, Scott. I mean, basically, it is a, it's a definition of financial freedom, which means um, you don't have to work for all your bills to get paid. So let's say that my bills for my family is $15,000 a month, 180 grand a year. Um, if you have rentals uh, that pay you a net of 180 grand a year or $15,000 a month, they pay all your bills and then you don't have to work. And uh, it's as simple as that. And then when, when, you're, when you're spending 15 and your houses or your horizontal income coming in sideways is 15, um, you're a hundred percent. When you are uh, making 30,000 and your bills are 15, you're a 200 percenter. Currently I'm a 229 percenter. Um, I think last year I made uh, like half a million dollars or something. Um, <clears throat> and I spend like 220. So, um, so you got to kind of get that idea, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, and uh, there's guys in the tribe that are, you know, thousand percenters, right? I mean, really, all you got to do, first of all, first and foremost, is become a hundred percenter. Um, but at the end of the day, the the part that's missing with once you become a hundred percenter is if you like to invest, which I like to invest, you don't have any cash because a hundred percent of your horizontal income is, is paying coming in sideways and paying your bills so then you need more money to to put as down payments on investment so that's kind of why we created GoBundance and why I wrote a couple of books and did a couple of other things so I got some cash so I can continue to invest so I didn't have to sell something to buy something else and and when we look at uh, like the book Tribe of Millionaires right and we look at um, the the importance of a lot of the values that go beyond just the financials. Um, there's a couple of key ones that really, you know, stuck out to me, especially when regarding the authenticity and like, what is that, what does that really mean to live a truly authentic lifestyle and how, how does financial freedom actually allow you to live and be more authentic um, in the yeah. day to day? And I was wondering if you could elaborate on that because such a powerful concept um, that can re that really fundamentally shapes, I think, how we show up in the world. And would you would you be willing to elaborate on that a little? I, I, I'd love to, and and it's a con it's a 
<clears throat> you know, two things. First of all, when we talk to people and say, what do you like most about abundance? One of the top things that comes on is the authenticity of, of how everybody is and, and how they feel when they're around other GoBros. And I can't, I can't explain it other than just say, come to one of our events and you'll find out. But um, I'm going to answer your question directly because I think a lot of people that you talk to might bullshit the answer. But the, the, the direct answer to this is if, if, if you have a, a job, you're selling your soul on some level because you have a boss that can fire you. Uh, and, and that boss may fire you uh, for being authentic. Let's take an example of, um, you know, um, uh, what you dress or how you dress or an example of um, what you like to do with your spare time. And, and I'm going to just use an extreme example. If you like to do recreational drugs and go to uh, rave concerts or whatever, you may hide that from your boss. But if you're, and, and that's an extreme example, but if, if you're a, if, if if, if you're truly uh, financially free, right, and you're worth all this money and, and all your bills are paid and you don't have a boss, then you can do whatever the hell you want. You can wear what you want. You can act like what you want. You can do what you want. You can verbalize what you want on the Internet and not have to worry about backlash or offending an employee because you are your own, you know, boss. Um, and it, it, it leads to being truly authentic once you have money. I think more people become authentic once they have money because they are, are no longer selling their soul to, um, uh, to a boss. And in addition to a boss, I'll say a boss and or a client, because let's say I was a real estate agent. Yeah, sure. I didn't really have a boss as a real estate agent, but <clears throat> You know, I, you know, I, I used to have, uh, I, I remember one time I went to, um, I had a bunch of television commercials and my wife and I went out and, uh, met with some old friends of ours from college. And, uh, you know, we were drinking beer in a bar and, and there was a, um, you know, uh, like my, there was time to leave and my beer was like half full or three quarters of the way full. And they were like, we got to leave. And one of my buddies was like, guzzle it, guzzle it, guzzle it. I was guzzling the beer, and uh, some dude took a picture of me. Now, now that, that sounds trivial, right? It's like, you know, whatever. It's some guy I didn't know, right? And, and I'm, like, I'm like, whatever, I don't give a shit, right? But at the end of the day, I woke up the next morning, I had to think about it because I'm like, well, you know, um, what if he was someone's son that I was selling the house to? Or what if uh, – Whatever. And, and, and it, going along with that, whenever I would go out in public, I would, I would not wear a baseball cap backwards. I would not, you know, wear a T-shirt. I would put on a college shirt and go get some bananas or some milk for my kids, you know. Um, and I think that lends into inauthenticity. Now, I chose to do that because I wanted to earn money and I might see a client in the grocery store. And if I had, I was unshaven with a hat on backwards and a T-shirt, they might say, what the hell's up with Hyben, right? Um, and that all changed when I, I stopped trading time for money. That all changed when I just became an investor, you know, and just, uh, just let the horizontal income pay my bills rather than me paying my bills. So, is, is, did I answer your question and it, was it too long of an answer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, it's, I think it's a great answer uh, to, to the question. And, and then to follow up on it, um, I'm wondering about, you know, I think it's all, we can all 
inherently we know the importance of authenticity because we can see like the levels of stress that being inauthentic actually has in our lives. And it creates like this mm. undercurrent maybe of constant stress of living differently than who we really are uh, on the inside. Uh, I was wondering if, if, if maybe there's another angle to this that we could talk about regarding like the power of being authentic. Um, and that if, from your experience, once you had the horizontal income, you're really able to truly step into your authentic self. Does that make you overall a more powerful and more effective person about being able to achieve the goals and, and get what you want in life because you just have more energy and more uh, to be able I to go? I think so. I, I think so. You know, it's kind of like it's a self-esteem thing almost. You know, it's like kind of having a college degree or having a um, – you know, like making it into the, the Marines or, or, you know, or just, I'm trying to think of examples that would boost your self-esteem based on um, an event or based on you finishing something. So, um, you know, certainly having a million dollars in the bank, I think boosts your self-esteem, but also probably more than that is, is having, you know, your bills covered by horizontal income. So you truly are, in an artistic state where you could say, okay, well, what do I like to do? And what do I want to do? Right. You know, somebody asked me a couple of years ago and they thought it was funny. Um, I, well, I didn't say it as a joke, but it was actually at a, we were in Norway. There was about 15 GoBundance guys on a Norwegian. Um, we were doing kayaking and they were teasing me. They were like, what the hell do you do now? Right. Cause you don't, you don't do anything. Uh, and they said, what do you do with your time? And I just said, I, I do whatever the hell I want. And, 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 uh, they just thought that was the funniest thing ever, you know, but I didn't have an answer. Like I garden or, you know, I, you know, I volunteer, you know, there was no, I didn't have a good answer, but, and I thought it was just perfectly normal, but, um, but yeah, I do whatever the hell I want when I want, you know? And when you guys were looking at, um, informing the principles of the makeup go abundance, which are the underlying current, I think of a lot of what comes into tribe of millionaires. Um, I, it, financial freedom was the first, uh, peg, wasn't it? That you guys said, Hey, that we're going to focus on this first and how many dollars are we making per hour and what's our horizontal yeah, income? Because, yeah. Because that's where the commonality led. I still think that that's where most of the commonality led leads i think that there you know there's 200 some members i would say if you ask them you know some would say health some have gotten involved because they've done triathlons together and stuff but the majority i think it's it's a financial number it's a left brain um commonality and that's why dan clements who who you know helped write the the the, the fable tribe of millionaires by the way i didn't write that you know, we paid somebody $50,000 to write that. Now, he did come to Japan with us, and he interviewed 27 GoBundance brothers in Japan while we were hanging out in Japan for two weeks. So he really understood GoBundance by the time he left Japan. But, um, <clears throat> but the point is, I think that the commonality tends to lie in the wanting more money in the investing end of it. And when I met David... That's what we had in common. We both loved money. We both loved investing. We both loved the idea of horizontal income. Then we met Tim like seven years later. And um, I met him at a conference. I started talking to him in a lobby. 
And um, I said, what do you do? He said, I ski. I said, no, really. He goes, no, I ski. That's what I do. I ski. He said, I have enough horizontal income to to pay all my bills. And I just quit. I quit working. And he was like 43 or something. And uh, I was like, dude, we need to go for a run. So we went, we ended up going for a 10 mile run. And I think we started out doing like a, going to go for like a two mile run, but we just kept running. And I just, there was just so much, I was so intrigued by, he's like, well, I got this shopping center and I got this and I got this, you know, store and I got, and I was like, wow, we have a lot in common. You're going to be a lifelong friend, I hope. And David felt the same way. And then we started attracting more and more people that had that same uh, <clears throat> desire to to do businesses and to do, um, more importantly, businesses, but also, you know, real estate and uh, ways, anything that, anything that makes money um, sideways where, you, where you're potentially going to get your principal back. So, um, so that's kind of what happened. I, and I still think today of the 200 some members, you know, probably 90% of them were attracted because of the horizontal income. What do you think? What, what would you say the number one pillar that attracted you to the group is? Uh, well, I think definitely I got into the group, uh, by asking, uh, Hans box and some other members. I said, listen, you know, I've hit my income goals. I've hit, I've checked all the boxes of all the things I'm supposed to do and I'm still not happy. What, what am I, who can I go hang out with? Who's out there that's actually figured out what to do with this kind of problem. And so maybe I got in a little bit different than other people because I didn't get in with like a, I'm going to meet this group of guys and then they're going to show me how to become a millionaire. You know? Um, yeah. I, I got in from a different place of looking at it saying like, um, actually, from meeting the guys, though, there's a lot smarter ways I've learned on how to manage my business, and, and, and I continually get better with that, and that's really a huge value to it, but it's really the, the other pillars around the, you know, looking at, you know, what is your charitable contributions, your bucket list adventures, the things that came for you guys that you guys built after you focused on income are all the things to me that resonate most strongly, so I'm going out to spend some time here with Tim on his next One Life Retreat out at his house to get more deeply into those pieces because to me that's where the, the the real deep value into it is after the money after the money well, for me is when all of the really hard challenges start up until that point it was just kind of scientific here's how you make money here's how you run a business yeah i think you're right i think that i think it's the same equation actually it's a it's an extension of the financial equation but i think you're right i think that actually a lot of people would say that <clears throat> that they're in a similar situation where they wanted permission almost to do cool shit, you know, and, if, you know, and wanted permission to, you know, spend their time doing things for themselves. Um, and, uh, and then, and, and so, but it's part of the same equation in that, yeah, you make the money, you create horizontal income and then what do you do? Then you, then you, you you live your life right because you're going to die eventually and you don't know when so you might as well pull you know pull out so you don't you don't have any regret and I, it's part of that same linear equation i think so i think that's one of the reasons what one of the reasons i loved uh reading tribe of millionaires so much is because yeah it's, it's a story about money right but it's a story actually about all these other things you know 
that uh, that come into what actually make us uh, what what actually makes a great man, you know. And what does that actually look like? What does a great man actually look like? Because I've seen guys that are super rich. I've seen guys that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they're miserable. And, uh, you know, I, I think you've probably seen the same thing too, right? And so I think there's like yeah. a redefinition that happens, especially with people maybe um, uh, in, in my age group, I'm 34, uh, where everybody's caught on like what it means to be great is to be wealthy. And then there's also, but there's more, much more complexity to that, right? Um, than yeah. just the wealth aspect of it. Um, and uh, that, that's what I was really getting out of the book. I was wondering if, if there's another piece of the, of the book that you really like to, to highlight um, as we're kind of wrapping up on our time here together, Pat, um, to, um, to just kind of leave the audience with us saying, hey, you know, this is another piece that we haven't discussed, but if anybody picks up the book, they're really going to get a lot of value out of, out of this concept. Well, um, I think that, um, you, you know, one of the big pieces that's not a direct thing, but it's an indirect, is that, you know, you know what happened with uh, Ethan's dad was in the book, the, the, the character, the main character is Ethan. And, uh, you know, what happened with his father is he found a GoPod, let's say, of six guys, and, and, and over time, the authenticity between the six guys was so extreme, right? It wasn't just a surface conversation. They talked about everything. They talked about marriages. They talked about health. They talked about, you know, giving back, making a difference in the world. Um, uh, it was so extreme. The authenticity was so extreme and the bond was so extreme that they were his pallbearers, you know? And uh, I think, at, uh, knock on wood, that hasn't happened yet in GoBundance, but I think unequivocally it will. I think, you, you you know, somebody will die and you will see pallbearers be their GoPod or other GoBros. And, and, uh, and, and that's, that's the route that it's taking. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. They miss that. They miss having other guys that they can trust and count on and, and, and have uh, essentially uh, to hold them accountable. And it doesn't matter what you want to be held accountable to. It could be, you know, staying, whether it's staying faithful in your relationship, whether it's um, losing weight, whether it's earning more money, whether it's uh, giving back to other people, um, you know, they're all things that the GoBros will help you as part of the relationship uh, to be accountable for. That's, that's what we do. And it's paid off so much for me and so much for so many other uh, GoBros who have, who have accomplished something with the help of their GoPods. And I think that that's not directly talked about in the book, but it is indirectly talked about throughout the whole story as to what happened and, you know, how it plays out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I can. I know that from my investments in and go abundance with the time and energy and and the financial commitments that go along with that. That it's definitely paid off at least a ten x uh, for me in the last year, just because of the not just the the wisdom from people that have been farther down the track in a lot of areas of my life and learning from them on that. But there's also something that's special that only happens when you're with communities of men for multiple days at a time which is just seeing how people show up and how do they handle yeah. situations? How do they talk to each other? How do they work through problems? And those are things you can't learn from reading a book. You actually have to go spend time 
with great people to suck the suck the greatness and the gems from those experiences um, into my life. I can speak for myself personally on that. And I know that that's been something that, um, that uh, David Osborne and, and Tim talk about as being, uh, it's all of like the nuances of how people show up when you're with people. Yeah. yeah. So, that's awesome, Pat. Well, um, for everybody that wants to reach out and buy uh, Tribe of Millionaires and check out um, more into that, what's the best place for them to, uh, to go to do that? Well, that's great. That's a great question because today you do not have to buy it, guys. You can get it for free, limited time only. We took a thousand books, put them in a warehouse, and we're giving them away for free. Uh, all you got to do is go to tribeofmillionaires.com. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. You pay the shipping, which is seven bucks, and you get the book. It's 19.95 on Amazon, uh, which you can buy it that way too, uh, but you don't need to. Get it for seven. Uh, free, basically seven bucks shipping and a free book, uh, tribeofmillionaires.com and uh, uh, take a look at it. All we ask in return is that if you like it, uh, to go on Amazon afterwards and write a review for us. And uh, and that's it. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity to come on the show. And, and um, if anybody needs to reach out to me in the future, or just Google my name, Pat Hyben, H-I-B-A-N. I'm all over all social media and uh, I'm happy to stay in touch with you. Awesome, Pat. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And guys, I got to tell you, um, the Tribe of Millionaires for only seven bucks um, is the best value you're going to find on what is the best and highest level thinking, not just in theory, but what um, Pat and David and Tim, something I've experienced over the last year is over 20 plus years of hard work, running the experiments of what works, what doesn't work. How do you create um, these, these big massive impacts in your life. And the lessons in there are simple, you know, they're not going to be, they're not overly complex, but that's where the real power is. The real power is in simple lessons that you can implement in your life. Um, that other people have developed over many years that know that they work and that's how you can know, um, you know, you can sniff out the bullshit from the real shit is that, the, all the real players out there of ones that are they're sharing uh, based upon an experience of many, many years, especially when it comes into um, these kinds of concepts. So go grab uh, that Tribe of Millionaires book. It's only seven bucks. Um, I can guarantee you're going to love it. Um, and thank you, Pat, so much for coming on the show. And I hope we get to connect again soon. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Thank you. That's all for this Best Deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one, so keep at it. Thank you for joining us, and if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.